conversation. We're calling Real Talk HR, and uh, today's conversation with Bobby and Chris is no different as if we were together at a coffee shop, just talking about things that we're seeing, uh, things that we're hearing, uh, and really trying to explore this future evolution of HR. And today's conversation is going to be all about development. Uh, we're going to be talking about what it means to be a little bit more selfish in our roles within HR to block out and protect the time that we need in order to develop our skills to be more valuable within the organization and clearly identify where we can add value every day to both the employee and the employer. Um, I've said it multiple times, it can feel like a uh, rock in a hard place as the saying goes, um, but this is our opportunity to come together to share some collective insights and ideas to really help propel your career as to wherever you are working today or where you wanna work in the future. So join us in today's conversation, and I'm going to hand it off to Chris as he kicks off kind of our flavor of the day for this Real Talk HR. Awesome. Thanks, Kevin. Appreciate that. And Bobby, it's great to see you again, uh, to have another conversation and to talk about what we're seeing in the world. I mean, I think for today's session or conversation, I should say, uh, just start out with a simple question, right? When was the last time you actually thought about your own development? When was the last time you took time? out of your busy day, and I know that we all have a million and two things going on, to just invest in yourself. And if you're having a hard time coming up with an answer to that question, well, hopefully this conversation is going to be valuable to you because that's what we want to talk about, right? So uh, a couple of things to set the stage for us. Uh, in HR, we are the stewards of development, right? We are the ones that are out there looking to help the organization continue to learn, grow, and develop which is fantastic, but oftentimes, you know, much like the, uh, the cobbler's kids anecdote, we don't take that time for ourselves, right? So the cobbler, cobbler's kids are going shoeless. And uh, I've seen a lot of HR departments who operate that way, who run that way, and their team members, the HR team members, aren't getting a chance to continue to sharpen their saw, you know, increase their knowledge, and be able to do their jobs, provide more value in their jobs as well, and more, get more, quite frankly, personal satisfaction out of what they're doing. Um, so the three of us have been talking, there was a report that came out a while ago from KPMG, just talking and it, and it asked HR practitioners, HR professionals, what are the skills you need to be effective in your role? And then how often are you able to actually you know, learn about, grow about, develop those skills? And there was a very large disconnect. So. Uh, if, if we can provide some input, some value for the folks who might be listening to this, then, then great. That's what we want to do to really help provide you know, the HR team members who are, who are listening to this an opportunity to say, yeah, it is okay. It's okay. I think we were just saying before we recorded, it's okay to be selfish, right? And think about yourself. So that's kind of where we're at today. Bobby, it's great to see you again. Uh, how have you been doing? Yeah, yeah, doing well, Chris. Um, I appreciate it. And um, it's funny because when you when you were asking that rhetorical question of when's the last time that you've you know really taken the time to develop yourself, my heart sank. I cringed a little bit, and I'd imagine that um, you know many of our listeners are kind of you know in that same boat. So I think it's going to be a great topic today, and I'm excited to tackle it with you and Kevin. So as Kevin uh, gets himself situated, you guys are saying this morning is. I think there's a lot of information out there, right? So there's a ton of different information, whether it's on LinkedIn, whether it's through HBR, whether it's through a Harvard Business Journal. And I think we're really suffering from paralysis from over analysis right now. Yeah. Um, and 
in this knowledge age where we believe that we can find anything that we need online, applying those skills in real time, I think is really where I'm seeing the biggest disconnect. And, and Chris, you, you hit the nail on the head. We saw it almost verbatim out of that KPMG study. They know that they need data analytics. They know that they need stakeholder management. They know they need um, performance management and development strategies and plans. However, I, I still see, and this is where I get back to that selfish category, where are we spending our time and how are we spending our time is that first question that needs to be solved. Um, because from there, um, if you're not sure where you're headed, any direction really will get you there. And that's, I think we're kind of in this state, this reactionary state. And I, I believe that development can help us break that um, and get more into a proactive state instead of reaction action is action reaction, um, where we're continuously improving. One of the questions I had, I guess, to pose to you two gentlemen that are working currently within HR space today, what are what is what was one skill you had to develop since the pandemic to be more effective in your roles? Well, I'll, I'll take that because it's an easy one, and because I'm old, uh, for me it was technology, right? So. As we transferred to a virtual environment and a virtual work environment, ensuring that I was up to date and I was up to speed on, hey, here's how we're going to communicate now, right? Here's how we're going to um, have these weekly these weekly meetings that used to be in person. So for me, it was getting really comfortable with the fact of, okay, great, we're going to be on screen, we're going to be using these Zoom calls, and uh, that's going to be, you know, who would have thought that that would have been the normal, the new normal you know, three years later as we look at that. So I think for anyone who might have been in my space who is comfortable with the face-to-face -face and, you know, popping your head over a cube wall to ask a quick question, um, you know, communication tools like Slack, you know, like I, I am on Teams, you know, those are all the things that I think are now part of our day-to-day -day that we used to really not use as much. So that, that's one thing for me. Yeah, I, I think that's that's a big one, Chris. I think for me, it, it was it was two different components. One was time management, and the other was you know kind of to Chris's point, communication. Time management from the standpoint of we're working and living in the same space. So you know when 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 do we kind of close the door and say this is it, right? Uh, I, I'm good for the day. I need to go fulfill some personal obligations. You know, be with my family, things like that. The communication aspect was interesting to me. I'm I'm still a remote employee today. And um, one of the things that I've I've developed or I had developed over the pandemic was, to Chris's point, I was the the type of employee, the type of person that would pop my head over a cubicle, would walk into an office, would would generate that you know organic conversation throughout the day. We are so busy, right? And we look at tools like Teams and like Slack, and you see that people are busy or they're you know, on Do Not Disturb, and without seeing them face to face. You almost have this, you know, apprehension or or hesitation to reach out to them to see if they can answer a question, to see if they can hop on a quick call. So I've developed over time some strategies, you know, to just kind of, uh, you know, work through those communication challenges. Kevin, how about you? Curious to hear hear your perspective on it. I, I'm just I'm I'm sitting I'm sitting back here and just listening to all of it because. I, I think one of the things that you said, Bobby, was pretty profound, right? Is when we're all so disconnected and it comes down to tasks oriented only, it is very easy to fall uh, economy, right? Uh, you kind of lose touch as to what, up, what might be going on in that person's world because you can't really see it, um, but you still have to be cognizant of it. 
Um, but I've, I've caught myself, right? So um, understanding different times of when people are working, when they're not. Um, but articulating and clearly communicating my expectations has really been helpful um, in this remote hybrid environment. Yeah. Um, I would say over-communication has never gotten anybody in trouble. Um, but really, I, I, I've seen a lack of alignment because communication takes energy. It takes time. Um, and when we are so bogged down with all this other work that needs to get done at the end of the day, some the communication and some of these little things are just getting pushed to the side as they're, they're maybe not viewed as important um, to the overall outcome. However, we all are seeing um, when it's not present, uh, it's actually making our lives much more challenging and much more difficult. And we probably have to communicate more when we try to conserve energy by not communicating effectively on the front end. Um, but as we're kind of talking, and I know I'm going to maybe take this conversation, in, but it's kind of a, a recent conversation that I've had over the last couple of weeks, and we've seen this big push uh, for people to come back to the office, right? Yeah. Um, I always keep saying presence doesn't mean performance. Um, but what are your guys' thoughts? Bobby, I know you're a ta on the talent acquisition side and you are fully remote within your organization. But for some of those other HR practitioners, those other business partners, the learning development specialists, the onboarding things, the now employee engagement uh, or culture experts that we're calling themselves, do you think HR that is supposed to be employee facing can effectively be done in a fully remote environment? Well, I'll, I'll tell you one thing, Kevin. I, I just read something. Um, I don't know if you both saw it. I think Zoom, the company Zoom, is actually making a push to go remote. So I think that 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 tells you something right there. Um, but from an HR perspective, right, I think if you're an HR practitioner that's client-facing, um, I think it it's extremely important because it's extremely important to be, you know, on-site in the office, um, you know, talking with your groups, understanding the culture on site. Some of those culture components that we're looking at from an HR perspective are, you know, you have to be there to see it. You have to be there yeah. to feel it. Um, and so I think there's a lot to be said coming from a remote employee myself to just being in the office and being able to collaborate. I think also if you're, you know, junior in your career, you're, you're entering HR, there's there's some value to being able to you know walk into the glass door offices and talk to your executive leadership team or your colleagues and you know it it's tough to um, it's a little bit more challenging to to have those growth conversations yeah. and to really get on the talent map within your organization if you're not you know physically present in my opinion um, there there are components of HR like you know that that I think you know can be done remote or in a hybrid setting of course too so I can play both sides of the <laughs> of the fence there but um but but ultimately I think it just it depends on your role and it depends on what you want for your future yeah that's a great point Bobby I I'll just build on top of that and for me when I think about HR I think about connectedness right and every every employee wants to feel a connection to their company to their department to their team yet that gets that gets difficult when you're remote only right and that gets difficult over zoom calls or slack messages i've seen a lot of managers just schedule time for coffee in the morning like that as if they were walking around the office and there's no agenda you just grab a cup of coffee and we just say okay hey how you doing and they're checking in that way with their team members which is you know an effort to build that connectiveness 
I, I think being face to face definitely amplifies that. It allows you to build relationships. It allows you to build trust, which is essential for all HR practitioners, right? You want to be seen as a as a, a strategic trusted business partner. Um, and I think that there are ways to get there, either remotely or or in person, right? As you go through that, so good stuff. Yeah. I love how you guys both said it's just like being present, you know, yeah. sometimes, especially right now, HR's reputation is it's an uphill battle in a lot of organizations, right? Because they're, they're fighting kind of that old personnel style and approach. And yeah. then this demand that they need an evolution, a reorg of HR to support the new business needs. And it's unfortunate, but if we're if we're only going to be handed administrative and tactical work, right? Because that's the view of the value of the role within the organization. If you're not present, and you could definitely effectively do that work, I think remotely, um, I think you miss out on those opportunities to hear about the other business challenges or frustrations, yeah. and seeing those stretch opportunities where they don't believe it to be HR or a solution that HR can bring or solve. Um, I think they miss out on those opportunities and they're only presented the tasks that nobody else wants to do or has always been expected of them. So I think to your point, um, Chris and Bobby is like sometimes being present just to strike up in that organic conversation really allows you to build that connection. And we know that connection, that trust is so important for HR to start getting and working on the projects that they believe that they should be. Um, but also kind of, pull out some of the lip service that they're hearing within the C-suite and be able to articulate in a way on how that's an HR related function in our program that they should be involved with. So yeah. I, I love that. Kevin, I think that's a good point. I think it almost reverts us back to the conversation that we started at the beginning of, we go through this process of, you know, developing others and, and how can we become a little bit more selfish as yeah. HR practitioners and, and find the time to develop ourselves. And I, I've been thinking on this since we started the conversation. And uh, you know, I think it's important to really take a step back and almost kind of do a, a personal time study for yourself and really start to map out, you know, what percentage of time am I doing these activities? You know, first it's, it's, it's writing out all of the activities that you're doing, which you know, by the way, you might have a, a notebook full of those, but then understanding what percentage of time I'm dedicating to each of these core activities and then taking that and, and saying, okay, based on Kevin, the conversations that you'd mentioned that I'm having in the office with C-suite executives, with organizational leaders and understanding what their expectations are, what they want and where they want the company to grow and how HR fits in. How can I take some of these other tasks that don't flow into that and be able to self-service them out. And I think it's really important. It's not a, a pushover to your clients to say, hey, I, I'm delegating this out. I just can't do this anymore. It, it can be almost an empowerment tool to say, hey, I'm going to put my time and energy over here because this is what's most important to moving this organization in a positive direction. So here's some things that you know I want to help you, leader, manager, you know, become better at um, so that you can service your employees the best yeah. way possible. And I, I love the time study. Obviously, Bobby, you and I have used that for quite some time um, within organizations just to gain a better understanding as to what's even happening. But I, I, I love the personal time study. Um, I think that's a great practice. I think assigning a value and an intention to those items as well, right? So if, if, it, if it's something 
um, that they've identified. I have found in my work that most HR practitioners aren't even asking enough of their partners that they're paying for, right? Because they're so accustomed of just doing that they're not even yeah. sure really what they're paying for within their partnerships that their partners should be doing for them. And it's kind of this, this give and take, but it's also, I think for the longest time, it's like, okay, if nobody else is going to do it. I'm just going to do it. And, and when you're an HR and, and you're a doer and, a, and it can be very easy to start doing things that you really shouldn't even be doing. Yeah, um, and, and you're doing it without even really realizing it because it's just now become habits. Um, so the personal studies, the HR time studies within the organizations, those are fundamental, I think, because without time and an understanding of time, and Drucker said time is the, the most valuable resource, right? But I, I think without that understanding, I, I'm struggling, and I think it's why we struggle to see execution, because how do you prioritize without having an understanding of time? That's right. How, how, how do you, pri how can you even make a list of what a priority is when you don't even know what time you would have to allocate towards achieving that priority. And maybe that's leading to some of the burnout um, within HR because they're continuously seeing the same items. And I had shared it back uh, 10 years ago, the same items were st still on the list, right? Yeah. Why aren't we moving forward? And I think it gets back to that selfish nature um, and, and being able to, to say no um, more, right? <laughs> um, but no in, in, in a good way, right? With an explanation. Um, that, hey, I have this time blocked out to Chris, we've talked about it and we've heard about it from other people to go do those data walks, to just walk yeah. the line, to show my face, right? Those are the time commitments that are really impactful. And then HR gets to see the fruits of their labor. I mean, if I was in HR and I got to walk the line and I saw a lot of smiling faces, that would tell me that I'm probably doing something right. Um, as well as I went up to the C-suite and everybody shook my hand and patted me on the back and said, thanks so much for all that you're doing. So we have that potential and that opportunity, but I don't see without development, right? Without coaching, without mentorship and that selfish nature, I don't see how that's possible. Yeah. And I think that gets us back to that opening, that opening statement, right? So you need to be selfish about your own development. I tell people all the time, whether they're in management roles or not, no one's going to come and tap you on the shoulder and say, hey, I've got this great opportunity for you, you know, go and take it. You need to own that yourself, right? So doing this time study, figuring out where you're spending the majority of your time is a great first step. Blocking off the time, I know we've talked about that, to dedicate to your own, whether you're going to do learning as we mentioned, online, books, articles, there's training programs, fantastic, but make sure you've got the time set to do that. The second thing I would say is do a personal inventory of, of your own skill set, right? What are the things that you love doing in your job? You know, what are those specific tasks? What are those activities? Write it down in a column, right? What are the things that you really don't like doing part of your job? We know you got to do it. Hey, there's a reason why they call it work, right? Uh, but just be aware of it. And then as you continue to look for developmental opportunities, you know, go gravitate towards those things that you like, those things you love doing, the things that you get a lot of satisfaction out of. Um, and I think that that's really key too when we're talking about our own development, right? Well, it's got to be exhausting when you're seeing all these other people share about purpose and passion and you yourself aren't even finding purpose and passion in your yeah. role. And it's kind of goes back to what we've said about healthcare. How do you expect sick 
sick people to take care of other sick people. That's kind of what we're seeing, right? Within HR, we ourselves aren't even holistically healthy, right? We aren't even doing the things that we're preaching to the choir. And and if our employees see that, they might buy in a little bit less. Um, So, I think I think it is kind of this exhausted state that that everybody is experiencing, and I think this is really HR's opportunity to say enough is enough. What am I doing? What do I value? Right? What do I even want? Um, some people were forced into HR, just like I was forced into sales. Right? I wanted to be in healthcare. I turned out to be a copier salesman. Right? Um, so is this still the career that you want? And yes, yeah. it's difficult, and yes, it's challenging. But I see more opportunities than I see um, challenges, right? I see, I see things that, like we all say, is like I heard it the other day in a talk, and uh, my uh, Dave Mamano was giving a, a, a chat at this Global Leadership Summit. But one, one thing that he said: if you just froze the executives from Xerox or Kodak in their heyday, and they thought out today, right, and they were leaders how successful would they probably be within that role? And I got to thinking that it's, that is exactly what we have in our area. That is exactly, we have not evolved as a leadership model. We haven't thought out yet. We haven't even thought out. So, but that (laughs) idea, right, that story, I'm like, yeah, it wouldn't work. And when you said it as a story, it makes it even more apparent to everybody, but that's exactly what we're experiencing most our experience. So, so to get back to your point, Kevin, there is an there is an enormous opportunity for HR practitioners to educate, create more yeah. awareness, help their their leadership teams evolve. Right? Just, I, I get it. AI is important. You know, machine learning is important. But at the end of the day, we're still all human beings, right? So yeah. so we got to make sure that we're managing each other. Um, we're being clear, as you said, about expectations, really concise about expectations, and then monitoring it, measuring it, rewarding it. Um, so I think yep. that, yeah, HR practitioners have an enormous opportunity to help. Don't we find that themselves. fascinating, though? Yeah. Don't we find that fascinating? If I could, uh, and maybe we can get into the AI because it is a, a, an essential development tool right now. Mm-hmm. I think the HR practitioners that are utilizing it, see the immense value in the administrative work that they're doing that consumes a lot of their time that they know is not valuable. Drafting an email, drafting these other things that maybe they're not skilled in, but it is marketing. It is educating at a fifth grade reading level. It is sharing stories and creative stories. And maybe you don't have that ability, but those are the things that need to be done to effectively communicate and motivate and all these other things, right? But let's talk about AI because I, I, I'm finding it more fascinating now because organizations that didn't even know how to use data to make decisions or to how to leverage it now to want to leapfrog into <laughs> this AI phenomenon, right? Yeah. It's, 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 uh, it's so comical to me, but it's like, what are you guys, what are your thoughts on that? Because I just, it's like this, they want to make this leap in this evolution, but they, they, they didn't even make the evolution into digitization and then, and then data. And then yeah. now all of a sudden we're, we're AI and we're, we're going to automate everything. Yeah. I think it's, it's an interesting question. You're right. I mean, I think it's, it is, it is sort of comical to hear, you know, some companies, uh, you know, kind of 
jumping up the ladder, you know, walking before the crawl, so to speak, when it comes to that. Um, but, you know, again, I think going back to the personal time study side of it, I think AI, just like data, right, it's, it's, it's all, it all comes down to how you plan on using it, right, at the end of the day. Yeah. AI is going to take out some of those, you know, if you do your time study and some of those, those, you know, menial tasks that, you know, you, you just need to kind of get rid of or push off to be able to do the strategic stuff. Um, then I think it can be helpful. So to me, it's all about how AI, you know, how your organization, you know, if you own your own company, how you plan on using AI. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's, it, it is going to be interesting, I think, over the next three to five years to see kind of how it grows within, in, in general, but, you know, specifically within some of these, uh, you know, more support heavy functions like human resources. Yeah. Yeah. I would yeah. love to ask any company's CTO or CIO what their three-year strategy is for AI and see what they say, because I'm yeah. guessing they don't have anything yet. But to Kevin's point, you know, everybody wants to, we got to start, we got to start leveraging this, right? So. Yeah, it's really, it's really, really interesting. I mean, again, and if you do that time study and I, I do a lot of them, so I wouldn't be surprised if 85 plus percent of their time is fat, is in that admin and tactical, right? And, and that's what's scary. So if we, if we start to say, okay, well, if HR is this invaluable or non-valuable component of my business, we're already seeing where it's being outsourced, right? So now I have a third party running my HR department, whether it's with ADP, paychecks, wherever, right? We see this fascination with PEO as it becomes harder for people to find other people for these administrative and tactical roles. So you can kind of see how businesses are evolving to outsourcing non-integral parts of their business, the admin and tactical side. For the same reason that I, we were all concerned with the hybrid and remote HR not being present. I don't see how that is possible right, for that function for the HR to have the equal representation um, of people within the business or the organization. How do you outsource that, right? And then how does an employee feel safe in that environment without representation? And now I'm dealing with a third party. Like, it sounds insane to me. I understand it because under the present position and the value added, mm -hmm. I get the business decision, right? So that's, that's one of my biggest concerns is if we don't be selfish with our time and we aren't developing, you can be easily replaced by a piece of technology and AI or somebody overseas that got an HR certification just like you did. But right? I think we have, we have to be honest with ourselves. So even before we get into the time study, understand that we have to be honest with ourselves and really try to understand where HR is going, right? And am I on board? Or am I not on board? Because you know, there's probably plenty of HR practitioners who are living in that administrative space, that 85% space, and doing a really, really good job at it. And as a result, based on what their business expects of them, they're they're being commended for that work. Now, with AI, if that goes away, that person and what they're doing and where their zone of genius is, to take some terms, right? they're going to have to shift to be that more strategic partner. So I think mm -hmm. they have to have the honest conversation first to say, is this really what I want to do, right? Because what I knew of HR was this, was that personnel management, was that clerical administrative work. 
now I'm going here, I'm doing things like organizational development. I'm doing things like, you know, change management. I'm, I'm doing, you know, restructuring um, M&A, you know, all of those, those things, right? So I think we have to, you know, be honest with ourselves to understand, yeah. you know, what we want in our career first. Can I ask a question? This is another thing that's come up recently. Strategic, right? Everybody is strategic. So I've seen I've seen two trends the last the last week. Um, strategic has obviously been the trend since I don't know maybe a year ago or so now, and then all of a sudden now I'm seeing HR practitioners being called consultants and they work internally. I don't know if you guys have started to see this at all. But the whole idea of strategic, right? It's a big word. It has a lot of meanings to a lot of different people. <laughs> I have seen it written in job descriptions for HR in a million different ways. Yeah. Um, what is it? Like, I what is your it. definition of strategy? I, I know. Like, what, Chris, you've always hated this word. And I now I'm starting to really hate, un- yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's, That's one, one of my three most hated words. words. Yes. yes. Strategic can you leadership dive, Can you go into that? Okay. Can you go into why? Because now I see it, right? I, I see it full bore. I always did it to differentiate myself because, yes, yeah. I'm going to consider what's happening in the future, try to lead you in that direction. To yeah. me, that that's, that's my definition of strategy. Yeah. Something that you're not doing presently that we can improve to get better, to get the result that you desire. That's, so that's me a strategy. That's 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 and that's good. So what you've done, Kevin, is you've actually gone the next step and defined what you mean by it. But you say it's the trend. I've seen it for the last 15, 20 years. I go I back know. to I go back to talent assessments and you know, we're we're calibrating the the talent across the organization and we have our one question for so and so in order for them to get to the next level needs to be more strategic. Yes. Needs needs to improve leadership skills. Needs to be a better communicator. I have no idea what any of those things mean, right? So for to your point, strategic, yeah, great. Does that mean I need to understand our industry better? I need to understand our competitive landscape. I need to understand how we're gonna grow organically or we're gonna capture share. I mean, what the hell does that mean? Do I need to create three-year plans, five-year plans? Do I need to do a SWOT analysis? Tell me what you mean by more strategic, because by just say, I think that leaders and leadership, one of my second, you know, most hated words, have gotten lazy and they use these very vague, very strange words. Yes, that's what it is, and it drives me crazy. It, I, I absolutely drives me crazy in the talent management space. And every time that I that is see fascinating. It, every time I've I see never it, I'm like, what do you mean? So yeah, no, I just it's so fascinating to even think about that they just pick they're just picking a word. Yeah. Because that's <laughs> what I've gotten. Because like it's like, well, what is their definition of strategy? Like are you you gotta guess yeah. as to what they think strategy no really idea. is at the end of the day. It's not but they don't even know. So like how do you how do you grade somebody on again, and not everybody is strategic, but everybody's creative and curious or can be, right? Yeah. Everybody can be creative and curious once you ask questions. If you're a listener, I think there's certain strengths that everybody brings to your point of that personal assessment, Chris. Mm-hmm. But I think HR needs to start thinking more on that soft skill for themselves as well. Yeah. What soft skills? A lot of them are emotionally intelligent, right? Yeah. So 
some of those soft skills that they may be thinking that they need development in aren't the actual skills that they need development in. They need their own personalized development plan to actually probably get more connected and business minded and financially minded so, um, while growing that understanding. So, yeah, so let's bring this full circle. Let's bring it full circle, Kevin, because at the beginning you said, if you don't know where you're going, any direction will get you there. Right. Correct. And I don't think that's the approach we want to take. I think we want to all know where <laughs> we want to get to. So by, yeah. you know, taking the time, analyzing how you're spending your time, analyzing your strengths, your skills, your, your, your interests, your aspirations, you know, clearly understanding what those are, figure out where you want to go. Right. And then that plan, you can put an IDP together. Um, to start helping you get there. And I think that that's what yeah. it's all about. And, yeah. and also two things on that too, Chris, because I, I completely agree. I think one, you know, it's to your point, you have to create that functional endpoint. Where do I yeah. want to go? Yeah. The second thing is, is that it's going to be so easy to revert back to where you were before, to kind of take a step back, to backslide because it's comfortable. It's mm -hmm. what a partner's need of me. This is what I have to do. I have to take this personal time that I had dedicated to myself and, and rip it off my calendar because, you know, Kevin exactly. with me for an hour and a half and talk about strategy, right? So <laughs> two so hours, I, three hours, two hours. Sorry, sorry. It's a, it's a webinar. So, <laughs> so I think it's important there. You have to define that, that end goal, that functional end goal, that, that perfect point. And then you have to try your best to avoid that backslide. Perfect because you're right, you know, give yourself the opportunity and the chance to fail, right? So you can learn from it. I like to tell people every time you try something new, think about picking up a golf club and trying to learn how to play golf, you're gonna, you're gonna do pretty bad for a while until you build up that skill set. Allow yourself that time where the performance isn't gonna be optimal because you gotta stick with it, right? And that's usually where that backslide happens. Bobby, it's a great point. All right, I got one last gut check question because you guys got me really thinking this morning. Bobby, with what you just said, Chris, what you've been saying, but if, if we in HR, right? And we say this in leaders, leadership, we, we hurt people, hurt people, right? And we're seeing mineral management not really knowing what, they're, what they want, right? That final destination or that yeah. vision for themselves. Is that why we see almost like a lack of leadership from HR, right? Being bold, um, to your point, Bobby, like you can easily to fall back into what you were, what you've always done, being told what to do. But if you see something that doesn't align to your values and that future vision of yourself, I would think that they would be more confident to speak up within those scenarios and those situations. But again, without directions or without values, without defining it for ourselves, we're really just along for the ride. And I think that's what the interpretation from employees is of HR, that they're just along for the ride at the C-suite and whatever shit falls down is, it, it, falls down, it falls down from the top and it's disconnected. They don't listen to us. They don't value our feedback. We don't feel heard, like all of that stuff. But maybe we just, maybe that's really where we all can kind of take, take a step back and really start to just personally define what is my personal mission statement? What is my daily intention? Um, start that granular because I think that's where we're starting to get off the tracks earlier. Um, because I have no problem telling CEOs when they say two things that mean two different things. And I'll say that's confusing, but it's in a, in a way to help 
educate them so they learn and yeah. they can develop. Um, so it's just kind of a fascinating conversation for today. I, I just think, did, do you guys see that? Do you see that maybe because we haven't gotten the coaching or the mentorship to even vision what our future is in HR for ourselves, that it lack maybe lacks what we see as opportunities within the role? It, it, it might all be connected. Yeah. I, I, talk I, about it. Yeah, I think you're on to something, Kevin. And, um, you know, I've seen it both ways. I've, se I've seen corporations and companies and CEOs that highly value their HR leaders and HR counterparts because they know the value that they bring. And, you know, what we've talked about a lot and we talk about all the time is we've got companies and corporations and CEOs who don't put a value on what, and they just see them as, you know, the administrative side. Um, so from the individual standpoint to you and understanding what your own North Star is and understanding you know, your own values and, and what you hold dear uh, is, is completely important. I think the more that you're aligned with that, the more you're able to speak up, the more you're able to talk out. Uh, and I'm saying all this to go to the fact that if you don't think about your own circle today, if you don't have someone in your circle that you see as a mentor to you, you need to find one, right? There's got to be, I, I always ask people, who's your mentor, right? Who's helping you? Who's guiding you? Who can you go to when you may ask, hey, should I speak out about this? Should I not speak out about this? Find that one yeah. person in your circle that, you know, you know, you can go to. And if you don't have someone, go and find someone who can. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 I definitely can see that where you feel almost like you're on an own, own island and having to make internalize every single decision yeah. that you have to make. It's got to be exhausting. Right. <laughs> Especially because you see the ramifications and the impact that it has on the whole. So, yeah. Well, fellas, I know we got to get rolling with our day jobs, but um, this was a fabulous conversation. I had a blast. Uh, I had no idea where Chris's idea was going to go, but uh, obviously okay. we, 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 we fellas can talk if we get something uh, that we're passionate about. We got to let Chris cook. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it's going to taste any good, but yeah. Yeah, we're, we're, we can easily float from topic to topic when we get going. So that's good. It was great, yeah. to, great to talk with you guys today. You too, Appreciate Chris. it. Uh, awesome. Kevin, I'll see you next it. week. Live in. Uh, yeah, man. Wedding. Shredding for the wedding, Bobby. Yep. Yeah, we'll see you there. <laughs>